Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, thank God it's Friday. Enough is enough. This week is the week from hell. Yeah, especially uh, for Donald Trump. (laughs) What a week. And also Hunter Biden didn't have a good week either. No, he didn't have a good week at all. And uh, the people at Cafe Milano didn't have a good week. Yeah, they didn't. Although the food is very good there. neither President Biden. Yeah, (laughs) there is so much. By the way, there is no way, John. That Joe Biden can now say with a straight face that he knew nothing about his son's business deals. I mean, there's no way. There is no way. Whatever will be, will be. Now, there was almost a riot down in Union Square, but it's all over, it looks like. Union Square is near NYU. There was a social media guy that that was promoting that he's going to give away... PlayStations. Yeah, Ed, you called it. Yeah. Um, and the guy's name, by the way, his name is Kai Sanat. He's a number one YouTuber. Uh, he's the number one subscriber on uh, Twitch, has 5.5 million followers. And I think like all of them went down there at once sure. when they heard free PlayStation. I wanted my PlayStation too. Yeah, yeah. I, I, at first I thought it was the migrant I, saying I a free they, hotel. It looked, like, <laughs> uh, it looked like they tore down some things. But, yeah, uh, it was actually sad. There was like look, a hot dog cart. Hey, I'm watching see. right now. It's all over. There's nothing going on now and thank goodness thank it was a, little, a little bit exciting on a friday <laughs> afternoon yeah that is for sure by we the way bored. yeah boy uh you know also i want to give a big shout out also uh john to uh ray tierney and his guys also of course in um suffolk county uh they identified another victim uh this is someone whose remains they believe this woman uh went in 1996 that she disappeared and today they identified somebody who's been jane doe for all these years 27 years ago isn't that amazing how bravo and uh, it is a 34 year old woman karen vergata they believe it's her remains and great work by of oh course God. ray tierney and the guys well, also i just talked to my cousin manny it's his yes birthday. Manos. He's now, you know manos is uh older than me again and happy birthday manos manos you're legal you can drink now that's great. We love Mottos. He's some Uzo. Yeah. Ooh, I, I have some stories about that. Ed, you've probably had some Uzo in your day. Come on. Uzo. Uh, what's Uzo? Never oh, heard of wait, it. Oh, we judged. Do you believe him? Do you believe him? <laughs> no, it's only 140 <laughs> proof. I love Ed. I love Ed, but I don't believe that. Now, yeah, I don't believe it either. <laughs> there's so many things happening uh, right now. Where do we want to start? Well, there, first of all, uh, coming up, we're going to have John Solomon with all the big breaking news about Hunter Biden and Devin Archer. Everyone's talking about that. And today, John, later on in the show, we have Trump's attorney. He's the guy who was actually in court with him yesterday in Washington, D.C., uh, on the elections case. John Laura is going to join us later on in the show, and you want to stay tuned for that. But joining us now, we've got Randy Mastro on the line. Well, Randy, who are we suing this week? <laughs> Pleasure to be with you, John and Rita. Um, Randy, it's yeah, always good to be with you. And uh, I understand you're in charge of uh, 
helping New Yorkers uh, not not suffer from congestion pricing. And, and by the way, everybody, of course, uh, top uh, trial attorney Randy Mastro, and you're working with New Jersey on this big issue that affects so many people. If it's Randy Mastro, the defendant's in trouble. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Randy's <laughs> one of the best by far. Well, I, I, what, what can I say? I can't disagree with you. <laughs> so, um, but yes, I, I've got the honor of representing the state of New Jersey, uh, where I was born and raised, uh, representing the governor's office and the state uh, in litigation over uh, New York's misguided congestion pricing scheme. Right. Uh, and the first lawsuit we have brought, uh, uh, all options are on the table, but this first lawsuit is about um, environmental issues about the failure of the federal government in approving New York's scheme um, to have done a full environmental impact statement. They did a truncated review and found somehow that congestion pricing would have no significant environmental impacts, even though it will so dramatically alter the lives of commuters from New Jersey and around the New York metropolitan area um, and really change their lives and impose one of the most regressive taxes imaginable. At a time um, where we can't handle it, Randy. I mean, that's the thing, too. At a time where New Jersey, New York, we can't handle it. We're already overtaxed. But there are- well, this is a time when we should be finding solutions together and not acting, you know, as if we're our own island and can ignore our neighbors. That's the problem here, that New York is pushing a plan that the federal government has now you know, endorsed in terms of the environmental review uh, can be truncated. You don't have to do a full environmental review, even though the impacts of this plan are not just on Manhattan. They are on all the surrounding areas of the New York metropolitan area and in New Jersey in particular, uh, 400,000 commuters a day um, and traffic being rerouted uh, where more people will be going through areas of New Jersey that already have among the highest levels of air toxins of anywhere in the country, but no mitigation for New Jersey, no consideration of New Jersey as a as a special interested stakeholder, um, no analysis of all sorts of different uh, scenarios that the MTA is considering. They're considering seven different scenarios. Maybe they'll end up with an eighth. How can each of those be considered you know, to neutral and not have different environmental impacts? Randy, I've never seen an environmental review like this. It's crazy. Randy, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome back to the show. Oh, Richard. Hi. Nice to talk to you. You too. Counselor, Let me, and, your Honor. <laughs> fellow colleague from City Hall. Randy, so what relief are you asking for in this first lawsuit? What are you trying to well, get? Well, we're, we're asking the judge to order uh the Federal Highway Administration, uh, working in conjunction with you know, local New York authorities to do a full environmental impact statement and fully consider the ramifications for the entire metropolitan area, in particular, the ramifications for New Jersey, where the environmental impacts will be severe. Richard, I'll give you one example. The, the environmental impact statement here, uh, it wasn't done. They, they did a, just an environmental assessment and a finding of no environmental impact. They're supposed to consider mitigation measures. The Bronx is going to get $130 million for mitigation, as it should, because it has 
some of the highest asthma rates in the country. But Bergen County, New Jersey, also has some of the highest asthma rates in every category. Yeah, but Randy, uh, you're talking about you're talking about money. Who gives a damn about the money? They're, they're putting another nail in the coffin for uh, New York City for Manhattan. Well, John, you're you're cutting right to uh, the, the the core of the issue as to whether this is good policy. In this first lawsuit, and again, all options are on the table, but in this lawsuit, it's about the failure to do a proper environmental impact review. Um, and that's something you have to do. It takes time, but you have to do it right, and you have to take into account fairly the impacts on the entire surrounding area, not just in Manhattan or New York City. Yeah. Uh, but but John, the more fundamentally as a policy matter, I didn't like this when the mayor Bloomberg proposed it. I I don't like it today. It's not the way New York should be solving this problem with the MTA. Does for seller from the borough president of Staten Island, he's suing too. Is that a different lawsuit? Um uh, the Borough president of Staten Island is uh, also considering his options. It's not the same lawsuit or maybe the same claims that New Jersey would bring because New Jersey has unique claims, John, that it was basically cut out of this process. It's an interested stakeholder that wasn't given the the priority at, at inception of the planning process to be at the table. Um, and that's fundamentally, you know, illegal uh, that they were cut out of the process. Oh, the Staten Island included. sounded like it was too. Yeah, yeah, that well, was Vito. Vito, Vito Fasella, uh, you know, may have his own claim for Staten Island in the same way. Yeah, but I don't want claims. I don't want money. I want. I, I want to kill it because it's oh, going to no. kill John, New York. Yeah, absolutely. And this isn't about. This isn't about money. This is about forcing government to do it right or not being able to do it. Yes. So this will stop if our lawsuit is successful. Because Governor Murphy has had the courage to step up to the plate and say, this isn't right what's happening in my state, and it's not right what's happening in the New York metropolitan yeah. area. So so even though I have friends in Washington and New York, this is not the way you treat your neighbor, and we have to get this right legally. So you have to stop. You have to stop congestion pricing until you do it right, yes. um, and New York is not doing it right. Randy Mastro, we got to go to a breaking news story. But Randy Mastro, uh, lawyer extraordinaire, thank you so much. And keep us informed about uh, what the heck is going on. And uh, text me anytime. Will do. Nice to be with all of you. Thank now, you. Bravo. Thank you. Now, Rita, I understand some, we got some more breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. And joining us now with the latest breaking news is John Solomon of Just the News. Uh, John, what do you got? I know you've got some big stuff on Devin Archer. Yes, the House Oversight Committee finally released uh, the uh, transcript of Devin Archer's testimony, the former close business associate of Hunter Biden and friend of Joe Biden. And it has some really, first off, it does confirm all the things that Republicans told us on Monday. Democrats were trying to suggest, oh, they're telling, not telling you the truth. It really laid out exactly what Republicans said on Monday. But there were a couple of surprises in there that I think are very important. One of them is that Devin Archer told lawmakers that Hunter Biden was a quote unquote lobbyist. That's what he was doing. He was, and he leveraged his very powerful family name, very powerful family name. That's a direct quote, uh, uh, so that he could score these deals with foreign oligarchs and businesses. And specifically, and this was a, actually an answer that Democrats, I think, elicited. They probably are going to be sorry they did it, 
when they said, well, how did this lobbying work related to the Ukrainian company Prisma, which, of course, uh, Devin Archer goes on to say they had all these legal issues, corruption issues, and they were hoping the Biden family name would buy them some protection. And uh, Congressman Goldman from the New York City area asked Devin Archer at one point, well, how does that work? And Devin Archer said, uh, well, people would be intimidated to mess with them, knowing that the Bidens were involved. People would be intimidated to mess with them. Ah, so it was a protection racket. And in what way, Goldman asked, and he said, legally. In other words, no one was going to take legal action against Burisma in the mind of Burisma as long as Hunter Biden and Joe Biden, which came as a package, were associated with the company. Very clear that Hunter Biden's job was to give protection to Burisma, that he was a lobbyist trying to gain influence in Washington for all of these foreign clients, that Joe Biden had dinners twice with several uh, clients at once, like group dinners with Hunter Biden's, uh, and 20 plus phone calls uh, with it. And then there's a delicious anecdote you and I will never get this sort of lucky lifestyle. There's a talk about a, a Serbian businessman, I'm sorry, a Kazakh businessman, a Kazakhstan businessman, sends a wire to one of the Hunter Biden, uh, Devin Archer companies, and the next day the money goes right out to a car company. What did it buy? A $142,000 luxury car for Hunter Biden. This Hunter Biden got a three-carat diamond from the Chinese, a $142,000 car just because his last name was Biden. Uh, really fascinating stuff. I think the word lobbyist is going to become important because Republicans believe that Hunter Biden should have registered under the Foreign Agents Registration Act and that he should have been prosecuted like Paul Manafort. Devin Archer gives some credence to that argument. Democrats don't have a good response to it right now. Wow. And it, it, just, it, it is amazing. Uh, I, I, Anybody that has half a brain has to realize what the heck is going on here. <laughs> That's yeah. a good analogy, John. I mean, it is. I mean, you, you, you want to, maybe if you're a marijuana smoker and you're tiptoeing through the tulips, you don't want to believe. Yeah. You know what, John? It's so funny you said it just the way you said it. Because there's a moment in the interview where Devin Archer basically tells the lawmakers question. Let's stop beating around the bush here. So the Republicans are trying to be nice to him. They're saying, isn't it kind of odd that uh, Joe Biden would call in like 20 times when he was vice president and get on the phone with clients that his son was soliciting? He says, well, it might be odd, but uh, let me just read the exact thing. It's such a, I guess it's a little odd, but I mean, it's quite obvious what we're talking around. And he says, well, so what are we talking around? The lawmaker says, uh, at the end of the day, they were delivering a brand. Uh, just like Jamie Dine's son could brag that his father is the CEO of a major company. That's what uh, Hunter Biden was doing, and the brand brought value. And then he was asked, well, what was the most valuable part of the brand? And he said, of course, Joe Biden. So uh, he had the same reaction you did, John. You know, there was this damning moment, uh, John Solomon, too, that I've been seeing other people talking about. Um, there was this meeting in Dubai, right? It's with yeah. uh, Hunter Biden. It's the Burisma board, right? And they say, That's we right. need help. We need to get rid of this prosecutor. Talk about yeah. the timing of that, because what was it like a couple days later? Joe Biden happens to be uh, in Ukraine, Burisma, the Ukraine company, and is critical yeah. of the prosecutor. And then, of course, gets oh. rid of him, basically. Yeah. In fact, he's more than he's critical in a public speech. But behind the scenes, uh, U.S. officials have now confirmed that Joe Biden directly threatened the Ukrainian president. Mr. President, if you don't get rid of this prosecutor general, Victor Shokin, 
we would call him the attorney general in America. Uh, you're not going to get your next billion dollars of loan guarantees in the United States. By the way, those were lifelines. Ukraine would go bankrupt if the U.S. did not deliver the billion. So this was a heavy hammer. And uh, as Joe, B would la- Joe Biden would later say in that famous video, son of I a bee. When I worked right. with him, son of a bee, it happened. Of course it happened. You told them they weren't getting a billion dollars. Uh, that what is so important to the testimony is that Devin Archer establishes that that action that Joe Biden took was exactly what Burisma was looking for. They wanted to get this sideline, this prosecutor who was alienating them by continuing to investigate them. That's an important thing. I think the next shoe to drop, and it's some documents I will make public next week, is what was going on in the State Department. Was Joe Biden doing this to help his son, which he's denied, or was he carrying out U.S. policy, which is what we were all told during the Ukrainian impeachment of 2019 of Donald Trump, Next week, you're going to see some pretty remarkable documents that give a whole new twist to why Victor Shokin, what happened to Victor Shokin and what was going on in the State Department. I think people are going to see a increased pattern of maybe we didn't get the truth back in 2019. Wow, that's called a good tease, John. <laughs> and, I, and I think the American people, all they want is the truth. Facts. And John yeah. Solomon, thank you for justthenews.com. And thank you for bringing all WABC listeners up to date. Uh, it's great to be with you guys. Thank you so much. Wow, that is interesting. What he just said, uh, Ed Cox and, and Judge Weinberg, that's an amazing comment where he said he's going to have these documents that show uh, the policy was to keep the prosecutor, essentially. Uh, the policy was to help Hunter Biden and Joe Biden. Yeah, that, that was, that was policy. Joe's policy. Right. 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 Exactly. It was the State Department's the, policy. The only thing, the look, the only thing I'm, I'm concerned about is high crimes and misdemeanor. And if somebody at the White House is doing something wrong and it's high crimes, as far as I'm concerned, if you're taking money and performing an action for a foreign country, that is high crimes and misdemeanor. And, John, not only a foreign country. These are countries that we have an adversarial relationship with. I mean, it's China, it's Russia. Unbelievable. I mean, that's what makes it. And Judge Weinberg, this fits high crimes and misdemeanors oh, sure. if it can Absolutely. be proven. Uh, and, it, and it looks, I mean, he's he is clearly not no. telling the truth. I, I want the American, people, the American people want the truth. I, I don't want to cast doubt. I don't want I don't want to, uh, you know, point any fingers. Yeah, and it's a let's serious get to, issue. Let's get the truth. That's all. Well, that's why we need to get to the bottom of this. Well, and I'm re- curious. Next week, Comer yeah. said he's going to release, by the way, bank records. Kazakhstan, Russia, China. Let's see. Rita, let's go to a break. And we're going to come back with a few good. Uh, yeah. We have Dr. Siegel, I think, is going to be yep. on today. And, Ryan, and Ryan Payne on the economy. Uh, Joe Borelli on uh, on migrants. Uh, the migrants. Oh, my Big God. Big update on that. All right. Let's take that break. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby. We have all seen uh, the images of all those huge lines of migrants, basically a cardboard city, if you will, not a tent city, but a cardboard city outside the Roosevelt Hotel because we are busting at the seams. And now they have moved them 
Uh, but they haven't solved the problem whatsoever. And joining us now is New York City Councilman Joe Borelli. He's the minority leader, of course, of the New York City Council. Uh, Councilman Borelli, uh, it, to me, the money is astounding. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. We're spending eight million dollars a day on the migrants, and that's more than uh, that's more than the fire department and sanit- sanitation com- department combined. The resources. That's astounding. Correct. And the fire department has 10,000 firefighters, 5,000 EMTs, 5,000 ambulances, 300 firehouses, 24-7 watching the city. Uh, And yet that costs less. It somehow costs less than the migrant crisis. We have a population right now the size of Helena, Montana, that we're just paying for every aspect of their life. Food, shelter, education, health care, laundry, cell phone, you name it. Every dollar. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, give us the update, because we know that they moved them uh, from Roosevelt, at least outside, but they just moved them to another location. And we're hearing from the mayor, uh, it's going to go downhill from here. I feel like going downhill. Uh, what, are we going to, like, go below the basement, you know? Well, I, I think that's a brutally assessment, uh, honest assessment from him, that it's only going to get worse. Um, and, and I'm glad he said that, because it's honest. Uh, but the problem is, you know, they were all about taking on this problem uh, when they thought it was going to be 5,000 people, 10,000 people. That would be a drop in the bucket for New York. We wouldn't even notice it. Yeah, nobody now minds for 5,000 people. And, and and vetting them, too. Vetting them, please. So how many of you think we I've heard numbers of 60,000. I've heard numbers of 100,000. Uh, so as of today, 105 or so thousand have come through the system. Uh, there are 53 or 54,000 people who are migrants currently in shelter. Uh, that That is, as I said before, the same population as Helena, Montana, a wonderful city, I'm sure. And also um, a homeless population in New York, uh, and I'm talking about American citizens, uh, is about 60,000, I've heard. So, I mean, that's, that's uh, you know, when you look at the comparison, you know what gets me so now, frustrated? I, I Why not Joe close the border? Why not close the border? You know, the American people are saying, who should we take care of first? The people crossing the border and coming in from Africa and Senegal and Costa Rica and South America or the American people that are poor and need help. Yeah, I mean, I think obviously, first and foremost, we should be starting with our own citizens. I mean, that, that's that's clear as day. I mean, that's essentially enshrined in all our laws. That's what's supposed to happen. Um, that's even the goal of sort of a welfare city that we have and we live in. I mean, that that's the vision of progressive utopia where we can basically, you know, accommodate and feed and clothe every one of our own citizens. The problem is when you add uh, to, to the mix, you, you add a, a variable to which you can't really come up with, a, with an answer of how many people in total it will be. That's when the system collapses. It's easy for us to, to basically raise revenue and say, OK, we can provide more services for our citizens if we raise more, more taxes. You can't do that. When you have a spigot that's just leaking uh, and there's no control. So close the border. I, I mean, I, where are the Democrats finally going to the White House? They're just asking for money, but they're not asking to close the border, Joe Borelli. No, no they're not. And they, they refuse to. Um, you know, they are just under this impression that things were not, in fact, better when Trump was president, when we had uh, Title 41, when we had Remain in Mexico. It's just objective facts that the border situation was better under President Trump. There is no... There is no way to spin that. There is no way to, to hide that. There's no way to pretend like that didn't happen. Yes. Uh, and by the way, President Trump let in thousands of asylum seekers who did it the right way, the legal way, the way we've always accepted people. Uh, it's just a shame that they won't admit that that immigration and border policy under President Trump was light years better uh, than uh, Joe Biden. 
Uh, Joe, it's uh, it's Richard Weinberg. Welcome back to the show. Listen, it's very simple. Right now, you really have a, an economic crisis, you have a social crisis, but you also have a public health crisis. There's no reason they can't resurrect Title 42. And by the way, we're going to have Dr. Mark Siegel coming right. on in a second talking about that. Yeah, you about can, the health yeah. of the uh, migrants coming over the border. Right. The point is, you don't know what diseases they're carrying. They're not being screened. We're getting the reintroduction of diseases we haven't had in this country in decades and decades and decades. This is a serious public health crisis, and they're walking amongst us. When will they give up the idea that sanctuary cities is a good idea for the public health and the security of our people, Joe? But you're making a mistake of trying to put a scale together and putting on the blocks that weigh good things and bad things and trying to figure out the best outcome for the city. That's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with ideologues who believe that open borders are the only you know, rational policy that should happen on immigration. That should be the true goal of sort of the world democracies at large where we should be able to travel for free between all of them. Don't forget that that was essentially the policy of, of, of the EU. I mean, it still is, uh, you know, with the exception of, of Brexit. But that's the goal. Rational policy and, and decision-making based on logic, reason, and resources is not what's driving this policy. That's what drove the Trump policy, by the way. Uh, that's just not driving the Biden policy. And it's not driving the pressure that even moderate Democrats face from the left when they get hassled and harassed by these crazy advocacy groups that just want more immigration and more open borders. Um, Ed Cox, you have a question too? Uh, yes, sir. Joe, good to talk to you again. The the number of migrants here are only about 1% of all migrants who have come in this country. And yet here we're just throwing money at it, which is what New York, the powers that be here in New York do. And not what? just money, a hotel room, a cell phone, and a media, food. And media, travel. How about the other 99% that the rest of the country has to deal with? Well, for better or worse, those people that came prior to, say, last year weren't promised, you know, the streets paved with gold and actually expected on, on achieving it. Uh, they came here essentially with plans to work. Maybe they had a brother in St. Louis who was doing construction and they were going to get a job with them. Um, you know, some rational planning went into this. Now, since Joe Biden took over, since we have sanctuary cities unrestrained in New York and in Washington, D.C. and elsewhere, now it's become, hey, we can go to America uh, and we can just live off the taxpayers. Yeah, until yeah that's what they're doing. Joe, we got a bigger problem. We got Dr. Mark Siegel. Joe, you can stay on the line. Dr. Mark Siegel is on and talk about uh, the diseases coming through the uh, borders. Is Dr. Mark on? Yep, he is. Keep, keep Joe Borelli on. Let him listen to this. Go ahead. Let's go to Dr. Mark Siegel. Dr. Siegel, well, yeah, talk about what you're seeing. Well, you know, I actually heard the the uh, health commissioner of the city, Dr. Vassan, who I've talked, I've interviewed on the radio myself before, he's worrying about polio. Now, one of the reasons to worry about polio is even if most of us are vaccinated against polio, we're not going to get sick from it. But we could harbor it in our in our guts and then it could be passed to people who are unvaccinated. So there's a question of polio. We're always worried about that coming from other countries, but clearly we could see that coming in from Mexico and Central America. Then uh, the next thing I'm worried about is tuberculosis, because with tuberculosis, there's places south of the border where tuberculosis is partly treated. Somebody thinks they have an upper respiratory infection. They take an antibiotic and the antibiotic partly treats it. We treat it vigilantly up here with and, and in Europe and in many places with three tre- antibiotics at least. 
So you could partially treat it, then it becomes drug resistance and harder and harder to eradicate. I'm worried about sexually transmitted diseases being brought across the border. Of course, I'm worried about flu. We were worried about COVID. That's not completely gone. There's a lot of diseases south of the border that are not contagious that we can see, like Chagas disease in, in Central America is quite prevalent. You know, one study out of Europe showed that of migrants coming to Europe, 3% were suffering from that. That's a pretty severe problem. And I was around the Roosevelt Hotel the other day uh, with Lawrence Jones, and there's a lot of people on the streets. So there's, there's risks of diarrheal diseases, sleep deprivation, and dehydration. This is a very bad situation. Well, I don't know why is the White House doing this? I mean, enough is enough. I mean, you know, uh, I was the vice chairman at one time of the uh, Ellis Island Foundation, and we believe in immigration. I believe in immigration. But everybody got checked for diseases. Everybody got checked to make sure they weren't terrorists or, or, drug, or drug dealers and, and that they and everybody got sworn in and they wanted to be a real American. Yeah, and they're not doing that now. And, and they're putting, you know, your point, John, too, is they're putting everybody at risk. I mean, these are serious diseases and they're not checking them, you know, Dr. Siegel. No, and, and, and John's point is right, that we used to check them. And, of course, I mean, you know, I don't want to make this uh, too ironic, but, of course, you can't check people that are coming across the border illegally by definition. And I forgot to mention the Custom and Border Protection stations being overwhelmed, our agents getting sick, and maybe the number one problem is injury on the way across that leads to our hospitals being overwhelmed. And I know for a fact, talking to some of our border hospitals, they're overwhelmed. We're talking about this now because New York City is inundated, but nothing, nothing like what you're seeing in Texas. Yeah. And the problem in New York City, by the way, I've got to add one more point about this. And I was focusing on this the other day. The we we have 30 City seconds. Got to talk fast. Okay, our, <laughs> shelters are full, uh, our shelters are full already. That's all I want to say. Our shelters are already full. So I don't know where the mayor thinks people are going to go. They don't have room in the shelters. You know where they're coming? He said they're coming to a neighborhood near you. Isn't that comforting? Wow. That's what he said the other day. Uh, every neighborhood is going to be overrun by them. Thank you. Uh, How about Gracie Mansion? How about Gracie Mansion, Mayor? <laughs> yeah. There you go. There's a solution, Dr. 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 Siegel, I'll see you for breakfast tomorrow. Thank you so much. And You're thank buying. you, Joe You're Borelli. Buying. I'm buying. <laughs> Thank you. And let's take a break. And what do we come back with? We've got Ryan Payne talking economy. The economy. Where the hell are we? And we have Trump's attorney, John you mean Morrow. Larry Kudlow took the day off? Yeah, I didn't know he had a day All off. Right. All right. <laughs> a common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. Well, Larry Kudlow is off today. And how the heck is the economy going? Well, with us today is Ryan Payne. Ryan, have we had any pain today, or, or, or things are looking better? Well, I never take off for the record, uh, John. I'm not getting soft over here. I'm, but, uh, I'm uh, with you. We're side by side. I'm always here. <laughs> I know. I can text any day, any time, and you uh, always respond. So, By the way, 3 um, in the morning, he will reply, too. He'll be wide awake. <laughs> I'm going to try that. I'll try that tonight. But in the meantime, I think markets sold off a little bit this week. Um, but in general, you know, I was pretty happy with that jobs report today. It came in a little cooler than expected, which means the job market might be not as hot. And that's what the Fed wants to see. You know, the hotter the job market is, the more hawkish the Fed is. Uh, the lighter the job market, uh, the more dullish the Fed is. And I think that lines up a good case for the Fed to pause on interest rate hikes come September. 
Ryan, Ed Cox here. The, the market's on a tear, isn't it? The equity markets, they're taking off. What happened to the recession we were supposed to have? I was one of the few people in John that said we weren't going to have a recession, Ed. Um, and I think a lot of economists here have been uh, caught off guard. But my argument's been the whole way through. You can't have a recession when you have full employment. Um, and that's the one thing we're seeing here is employment's remained strong. And on the other side of the equation, we've seen inflation come down precipitously since last summer. So it's a really good combination. And you couple that with we have manufacturing coming back to the U.S. Reshoring is a real trend. A lot of infrastructure is going to be built in the U.S. So there's a lot of good things happening in the U.S. economy that I think a lot of people aren't talking about. Now, the only thing we have to solve is uh, Chairman Powell finally reducing the interest rates, and maybe maybe we'll have a great economy. He just needs to listen to WABC, John. <laughs> I, I think you're right. But you know, some of the new polls, um, Ryan, don't look good. I mean, despite all that, people don't Why feel are people safe. unhappy with yeah. the economy? Yeah, you look at full employment. They have jobs. Well, they're, right. they're paying higher uh, gas prices. Uh, oil's back to eighty dollars a barrel. Yeah. You brought up mortgage rates too. I mean, there's a lot of really uh, the, the people you are can't still buy a house. You're going to pay six yeah. percent, seven percent interest rate. Right. The the polls are still showing people are overwhelmingly worried about the economy and don't feel that uh, that it's coming back. And new studies also show that. People are afraid that they can't retire. They're going to have to keep working. That's escalating. The number of people who believe that they'll never stop working is increasing dramatically. Well, you know how I feel about retirement. Oh, that, that. That'll never yeah. happen. Have a room full yeah. of people never happen. <laughs> never happen. Ryan, anything well, else you want to say? I, I'll say this. Look, I mean, there's always concerns about the economy, and inflation is still historically high. It's higher than it's been. But at the end of the day, I always say this, I say this on every show, it's hard to bet against the American economy. You know, we're very resourceful people. Uh, Baby boomers have something like $74 trillion saved. Um, You know, it's the largest amount saved by the largest, second largest generation now. And baby boomers like to spend money. So I think the baby boomers will continue to spend. And I think, you know, we'll come up with ways to be resourceful here. Hard not to be bullish. I'm optimistic. You should be, too. And we baby boomers like to work, too. Yep. yep. Yikes. It's like a lot of crowd. Like, my favorite generation. That was, a, that was some background what, what, sound agreeing what, what, with you. The control booth screwed up? Yeah, no, that was the crowd, I think, agreeing with right, that. Right, exactly. <laughs> baby boomers. Thank you. <laughs> Ryan Payne, thank you so much. And you're going to be on tomorrow between 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock, and uh, I'll be listening. Oh, no, 1 o'clock and 2 o'clock. One o'clock and two o'clock. As I say, John, be there, be square right after Cudlow. Best two hours of your day. Absolutely. Ryan, thank you. By the way, you know, businesses uh, are worried, John. I want to bring up this Chicago mayor thing real quick. Tell us about Chicago. Oh, my. You know, we thought Lori Lightfoot was the worst mayor of all. This one is worse, I heard. This one's worse. Brandon Johnson, the other day, uh, a 7-Eleven gets run over by like a huge group of teens. And the 7-Eleven guys had a Rocky Calavito oh, back. Oh, yeah, that, that was you're right. 7-Eleven. Right. Okay. So first the, first the Chicago mayor comes out and says, don't call them a mob. That's not nice. A mob is, you know, like the godfather. How do you say drop dead? Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. And then, so John, basically on the flip side, at the 7-Eleven in California, in Stockton, California, they used your Rocky Calavito stick. And there was a robber who came in with a huge garbage can, literally the shoplifter filling up the garbage can and with cigarettes. And the Rocky Calavito stick came out and the guy beat the shoplifter. What was worse worse for his health? The the getting beat up by the Rocky Calavito stick or or the the cigarettes? 
<laughs> he wasn't smoking those, John. He was selling those. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. selling them, but the, but the storekeeper said he had enough, and a lot of people online are saying bravo he should have been to the storekeeper. Marijuana, yeah, and he was going to jail for yeah, that. There you go. Okay, Rita, who do we have next? Now we have Tony Schaefer, Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer. He is head of the London Center for Policy Receipt Research. Replaced uh, replace Herb London, Herb our London, dear friend, a good guy. and also Tony is also head and of a Project of Tony Sentinel. Lovianca. Yeah, exactly. How could you go wrong with that combo, right? We love Tony. And joining us now is Tony Schaefer. And Tony, uh, you're a great former intel officer. Big news today. Two U.S. sailors uh, were arrested in the last day or so for espionage, uh, working with China, selling our secrets. And the U.S. government is throwing the book at these Navy sailors. I'm glad they are. Tell us about it. So basically, you have two sailors who have been engaged in literally transmitting Highly classified information, and I'm looking at the actual statement from DOJ right now. Uh, they were engaged in actual transmission. That is to say, Rita, these guys were giving information on the USS Essex and other Navy ships in real time to the Chinese intelligence service. And this is this is super severe because obviously one of my big concerns is if you have a fleet out doing fleet-type things, protecting the sea lines of communication and commerce, the Chinese are trying to get ahead of that by figuring out patterns, figuring out vulnerabilities. These things go directly into the the PRC, the People's Republic of China Navy, uh, their ability to counter and attack our forces. So this is is very severe. And let me just say this right up front. I think this is the tip of the iceberg. I don't think this is the only thing that they're investigating based on folks I've spoken to. These are just some of the most severe, provable things that they've they've announced recently. and um, the uh, U.S. attorney there threw the book at him. He had I yeah. was watching the press conference. He said they picked cash over country and they could potentially uh, get the death penalty. I mean, it's a very serious espionage is serious cash over country. They should get the death penalty. Somebody okay. somebody should, you know. Yeah. And you trust your military well, to give away military secrets. These guys were on the bases. Tony, it's Richard Weinberg. If you don't have the death penalty, you know what's going to happen? They'll just grab a couple of United States citizens, and then they'll try to trade them. So it'll be a hostage exchange. And that's what... Well, of course, that's... that's the, the, look, our adversaries as of late have learned that works. I mean, we've had this in Russia over and over. The Iranians have done that. And and, and, and Russia, I know we still have prisoners, political prisoners. That and how J. Edgar still. Hoover would have done in the old days, they would have been dead on arrival. So during World War II, to that point... Uh, you know, uh, John, is that we had uh, Nazi saboteurs come right on there on Long Island. And uh, out of the ones who landed at Long Island, I think all but two were quickly tried and uh, and assassinated. So anytime you engage against the U.S. government in any form, I think, where you're actually provably providing an adversary uh, direct information that will not only uh, severely damage the United States, would actually lead to combat losses, people dying in combat, I think it's an adequate justification to use the death penalty in these cases. Absolutely. Throw Tony, the Tony Schaefer, before we hang up, yeah. one more one more item. Have you heard much about the the the, the Chinese uh, lab they found in, in the in West California? California? Yeah, that's so, really yeah, interesting. So this is interesting. They they found it abandoned, but the the thing is, it was leased to a Chinese company, and the things they found there indicated they were experimenting uh, on a number of of animals. They found chemicals and biological traces that indicated they were trying to refine biological weapons. So this goes back to some of the things that I think Wuhan was actually engaged in in China, only here domestically. So, again, uh, we have to understand at this point the Chinese have decided by as a matter of policy 
they are in a state of war, fifth generation war with us. That means they're going to do things to create uh, subversion within our political system, Joe Biden. They're going to do things to undermine our culture. That is through education. My friend Catherine Herridge right now is being sued because she actually, well, Fox discovered a Chinese education institution here being funded by the Chinese intelligence service. They're trying to do that. They're trying to also undermine our, our, uh, our economy yep. by trying to devalue the dollar. Wow. It, it, Tony Schaefer. They're using, they're using fentanyl as a weapon of fentanyl. You have, yep. Tony Schaefer, you have my text. You have Rita's text. Text us right yes, away sir. when there's anything that you think the American people should know. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great weekend. And uh, we have to take a break. And when we take the break, uh, we're going to come back. Yeah, we got Trump's attorney, John Laurel, who was with him in court yesterday, a blockbuster. A final update before Friday. It's Friday, 10 minutes to, to 6 just about. And final update. Let's take that break. Hi, it's Ernie Anastas. You know, your thoughts can affect how you feel, and how you feel can impact your thoughts. Addressing your mind and body connection is the key to improving your overall wellness. Bergen Newbridge Medical Center is the largest hospital in New Jersey, providing comprehensive, equitable, compassionate, and high-quality emergency inpatient and outpatient medical care, plus mental health services and substance use disorder treatment. The Bergen Newbridge team can address your total health needs in one convenient location. Call 201-225-7130 for an appointment or newbridgehealth.org. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Obviously a huge day. Another arraignment. Another month, another arraignment uh, for President Trump and the attorney who is by his side, who is working with him on the elections case. Of course, the four charges yesterday, as we saw in D.C. court, is John Lauro. And John joins us now here on Cats and Cosby. John, thank you for being with us. Uh, first off, uh, how is the president doing, former President Trump? And what's sort of the strategy? I mean, this is amazing. You look at sort of like between that case, you look at, of course, uh, the Georgia case that may be coming soon. You've got the classified documents case. You got the Alvin Bragg case. And in the middle, you got a presidential campaign. How's he going to juggle this? Well, these are all coincidences, right? I mean, this right. Exactly. Right. Nowhere. <laughs> right. But nobody's planning this. There's, right. Not at all. In the White House saying, you know, this is how we're going to roll out the campaign by indicting our 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 biggest opponent who's leading in the polls. Uh, so, you know, coincidences just happen in the criminal justice system. But um, we're, we're making light of it. But it's a terribly sad day to see a president of the United States um arraigned and and before a court on an indictment where his political opponent has criminalized uh, free speech and criminalized public policy by trying to take out a a opponent um, who he disagrees with. I mean, we see that in in oppressive authoritarian uh, countries, but certainly we never thought we'd see, see it in the United States. I can say this in answer to your question. President Trump was incredibly upbeat, resolute and strong. He knows he's fighting not just for himself, but for the American people. He knows that this is a, an abuse of power. But if he doesn't fight, who will? Um, if, if, if they're able to come after him, they're able to come after anyone. 
And that's exactly what they're doing. You know, John, uh, one of the things is interesting. Um, I was talking with David Schoen, of course, who represented President Trump on his second impeachment trial. And one of the things we were touching on, and Judge Weinberg, we were all talking about this yesterday. This was an amazing moment that we heard, and you were there in the court, so you can tell us. But the judge came out and basically said, um, you know what? Uh, you cannot violate any of these conditions uh, of your release. Here it is, the former president of the United States, and threatening that he might be held if he somehow influences the, the jury, jury or the, yeah, I mean, he's campaigning. What is he not supposed to say anything on the campaign? Judge Weinberg? John, I, I think this is such an incredible overreach of the magistrate's authority. I think the indictment is an overreach. I think what they've done here is they've criminalized politics. And this is a, a threat to everybody who has a different voice than this administration. What say you? Well, let me just say, I have no quarrel with the magistrate. She handled it very appropriately and very judiciously. Um, she was following what's required in the federal system, nothing more and nothing less. And she did a wonderful job. And, and, and I know the president felt that way. But in answer to your broader question, it is criminalization of political speech. It is about taking out a political opponent. What, what, what the Biden administration would have to do in this criminal case is show that President Trump, number one, didn't believe that there were irregularities and uncertainties and, and unlawfulness in the election cycle. And then second, that with corrupt intent, he tried to block the, the, the vote on January 6th instead of doing what he felt was the right thing to do, which was to allow the states a little bit more time to get information, re-audit, recertify, and then make a final determination. And that was his final ask of uh, of Vice President Trump. Nothing about that is criminal. And, and, you know, a prosecutor can take any statute and try to criminalize conduct. That's the unfortunate thing. But we rely on prosecutors to be rational and responsible and deliberative. In this case, they're out of control. Yeah. All right. The statute involved, I mean, uh, uh, a conspiracy against rights. That's a statute that goes back to the Ku Klux Klan after the Civil War. It doesn't. It- well, what what they're saying is that he somehow blocked the exercise of voting rights. Now, that statute, you're right, has been used where people are physically restrained from going to the polls, where ballots are stuffed, where votes are being calculated incorrectly. They're using that statute. It just doesn't apply President here. Trump. It never should apply okay. in this kind of a situation. Right. But, 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 okay. but, Judge, he was the victim of all of that, and they're charging the victim. Well, thank you so much, John. And, yeah, keep, uh, us keep us posted. Keep us wow. posted. Keep us updated. And uh, maybe we'll talk you to you. You have me on speed dial. You have me on speed thank, dial. Thank Actually, you so much. Good luck, John. Okay. Thank you Bye-bye. so much. And again, uh, he has to be back in court, by the way. It's August uh, 28th, and they may set a trial date at that point. I mean, how do you do this in the middle of campaigning? And, what a and crazy. Now, by the way, today... Uh, it's an, uh, this weekend, it's a big uh, weekend for at, baseball uh, at Ferry Hawk Stadium. Yes. Where do we have? Don't we have the music play ball? Give me some. Yeah, we're working on jacks, a little bit of play ball. Peanuts and Cracker Jacks. Oh wait, we have a, actually we have a little bit of the interview now. Let's play it. This is an interview you did uh, with Eric Shuffler, of course, who's one of the owners of the team, along with the, uh, along with great a, you and Margo. It's a big weekend. <laughs> yeah, let's play. Ahead, Here's let's a little what bit. You have. With us today is uh, Eric Shuffler. And he's uh, the president of the Ferry Hawks. And uh, Eric, 
give us an update. What's going on with the third best team in uh, the New York area? Uh, hey, John, there is so much going on in Staten Island. You know, our stadium, the best view, I think our view is probably better than even Yankee Stadium and City Field. But, yes, New York City's third professional baseball team. We have a big weekend this weekend. We have fireworks tomorrow, Saturday night. We have Italian Heritage Night tomorrow night. And on Sunday, we have a great day with Kids Run the Bases and a special Marvel Superhero Day, Captain America. So a chance for all our kids to get out there, see a real American hero, run the bases, see professional baseball up close and personal with a view that is the best in America. And, of course, John, your favorite, Nathan's Hot Dogs. I love those Nathan's Hot Dogs. Well, thank you so much, Eric Scheffler. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing you at the game, and uh, God bless you, and uh, God bless America, and play ball. Well, I'm looking forward to this weekend. It's going to be a great weekend in uh, Staten Island. Uh, I am jealous. I am so jealous that I, you and Margo you know, are going to the game. How well, fun. I am looking forward to those uh, Nathan's hot dogs. They are the best, They and the fairy hawks uh, are so awesome. I love I, it. Totally cool. It's a beautiful weekend for it. Well... What do we stand for in this uh, in this show? Play ball, play ball, and, and truth, and truth, and the American way. Truth, justice, and the American way, and, and baseball. Baseball. <laughs> What's more American than that? There's nothing more American than that. apple pie and vanilla ice cream. Ooh, oh. and and those Nathan hot dogs, as you talked about it. God bless America. Have a great weekend, folks. Hemorrhoids can be a real pain in the butt, causing anal itching and burning and irritation. Get fast relief with all natural, doctor-developed and tested Anacool. Buy Anacool, A-N-A-C-O-O-L, on Amazon right now and save 15% with code WABC2024.